0: where we're going to start today. Mark 6, verse 34. The Bible says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages to buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred pennyworth of bread? That's two hundred days' wages. And give them to eat. He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, which by the way, the two fishes were probably similar to what we would know as a sardine, which is typically what they caught there in the Sea of Galilee. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to sit before them and the two fishes divided him among them all. And they did how many ate? All. And they did all eat the Bible says and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fishes and they did eat of the loaves uh, and they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before into Bethsaida, while he sent uh, away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land, and he saw them toiling and rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Don't you to notice verse 52. The Bible says the reason that they wondered and the reason that they were astonished Verse 52, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Their heart was hardened. You may be seated this morning. I'm going to talk to you about that today a little bit. A hard heart, healing, healing for the hard heart. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer at this time. By the way, I would just mention this to you. Our thoughts and prayers are going out to... Matt and Joni over here. Uh, Joni's daddy went to be with the Lord yesterday. And many of you knew Brother Henderson. And uh, he preached heaven for many, many years, and now he's experiencing it today. And so please remember this family in your uh, thoughts and your prayers today, and especially her mom and, and their whole family. If you'd pray for them, I know they would appreciate that very, very much. I appreciate him being here today in light of him passing yesterday. So Let's pray for them and let's pray for the service today. Father, we thank you so much for your blessings and for the privilege to be here today. And Lord, we thank you for this service. We're able to reflect on how blessed we are to live in the greatest nation on the earth, this great nation, America. Lord, truly, you have shed your grace upon this land. And we thank you for that and praise you for that. Father, we're not only thankful for this land, but oh my. We're thankful for another land. In fact, our Bible tells us that if we're born again, our citizenship is in another place. It's in a place called heaven. Lord, we're uh, sorry to hear the passing, Brother Bobby, but at the same time, we are overcome with joy because we know that, Lord, he has immigrated. Lord, he has made his way. He has... He's, he's leading us there. He, he's there. He's going to be there when we get there. And I have no doubt in my mind that he will be so excited about Lord wanting to show us all the splendors of heaven. I pray for Miss Joni today, Brother Matt. I pray for Mrs. Henderson. I pray for their whole family. I pray today that you would give grace and strength to them. And Lord, I, I'm so thankful that you've told us that your grace is sufficient. And Lord, we're glad that we have a blessed hope, a blessed hope in Jesus Christ. Father, say so take just a few moments today to to try to give your folks what you have laid on my heart. I pray God that you help me to recall that which you have given to me this week. I pray that I will leave out anything that that uh, that I had planned on saying that you didn't want said. And I pray that you'd fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, everything that's said and done, I pray would honor you and glorify you and, and, uh, and save that one that's lost and encourage that one that's saved. And, and Lord, help us to grow in the faith today, please. We love you and ask you for your help. In Jesus name, we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Well, what a great passage of scripture that we read this morning in Mark chapter six about the feeding of the 5,000. Interestingly, The feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. You'll find it in Matthew chapter 14, Mark chapter 6 that we read this morning, Luke chapter 9, and also in John chapter number 6. And this is what I thought about this week as I was reading the story and studying over this. I thought, you know, the Spirit of God for the Holy Spirit to make mention of this miracle in every single gospel, it seems somewhat evident that, that Christ is wanting to emphasize and even prioritize this miracle within the hearts and minds of those who read it. And how blessed we are to be able to read it today. What a great story it is. My wife and I and our church was such a blessing to us, but my wife and I had the opportunity to, to, to stand at the very spot where this took place where the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, where, where it's believed that he fed the multitudes and then he uh, began to speak to them and began to teach them. And it is somewhat like an amphitheater, somewhat like what we have over here uh, at our side property, much larger than that, of course, and overlooking the, uh, the Sea of Galilee. But what a miracle this is, is the Lord Jesus takes five loaves, small loaves, by the way, probably something that would be similar to our uh, yeast roll or something like that, and then two small fishes, probably like a sardine, and he blesses this food, he breaks it, and he feeds 5,000 men. We're not exactly sure how many women and children. Some scholars say probably in the neighborhood of fifteen to 20,000 people were there that day at that miracle, and all were fed generously. In fact, so much so that when it was all said and done, they gathered up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. What's really, really sad, though, about this story that we read is that his disciples completely missed it. They completely missed this miracle. For the Bible says a little bit later on, as they are on the Sea of Galilee and they're on their way to Bethsaida, the Bible says that a storm comes up and it begins to uh, toss the little boat around and they begin to take on water and And our Bible uh, tells us that the Lord Jesus comes, and he comes walking on the water. And they see him walking on the water, and they believe he's the Spirit. And then the Lord Jesus Christ speaks out to them. Of course, they realize that it's the Lord. And and Christ gets in the boat with the apostles here. And immediately, the Bible says, the wind ceased. And the storm calms. In fact, look, if you will, uh, look at Mark 6, Verse 49. The Bible says, but when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been, had been a spirit and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And verse 51, and he went up unto them into the ship and the wind ceased. And look at this next part, and they were sore amazed. And they were sore amazed. You know what it means? It means to throw out of position. I mean, man! It threw them. It, it it threw them back. It means to be astonished. They were astonished in themselves beyond measure and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. They completely missed the power. They completely missed the blessing. They completely missed this this miracle of feeding the five thousand. They completely missed it all, and the reason is because the Bible tells us their heart was hard. Now, when I read that, I thought, what was it? What, what was it in their heart that made their heart so hard that made them miss this greatest of miracles maybe ever recorded? And here's the answer to that question, church. It was bitterness. Bitterness is what so hardened their heart that they completely missed it. And they were bitter, I believe. They were bitter because the people demanded and even expected more ministry when they were supposed to be starting a time of rest. Look back again, Mark 6, verse number 30. The Bible says, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Now, if you go back and read a little prior to this, the, the, uh, John the Baptist has just lost his head. Some of the apostles, some of the disciples have went and they have buried the corpse, the headless corpse of John the Baptist. And so it's been a very, very emotional time. They've come back together with the Lord. they told the Lord all that they've done. they told the Lord all the things that have transpired. They've doubt told the Lord about the passing of John the Baptist. And verse 31, the Bible says, and he said unto them, come yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately, but there's a problem. Verse 33. And the people saw them departing. And many knew him, talking about Jesus, and ran afoot thither out of all cities and outwent them. In, in other words, they, we call it, they headed them off at the pass and outwent them and came together unto them. And Jesus. When he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So if I read this scripture right, it tells me this, that their rest time had to be placed on hold. And so here they are ministering. Here they are knowing that John the Baptist has just been martyred And they come back to the Lord and they tell the Lord all that's transpired. Lord, John is dead. They've taken his head. Uh, We've been ministering. And the Lord says, I'll tell you what, let's do, fellas. Let's come apart for a little while. Let's go have a time of rest. And, and the Bible says that the people met them on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is not a very, very large body of water. It's about 13 miles long, by eight, uh, eight miles wide. And so it's not very, very large. In fact, if you go over there and visit, most of the Israelis no longer call it the Sea of Galilee. They call it the lake. Uh, Tiberius Lake. Or the Lake of Gennesaret. And so the Sea of Galilee, if you live back in that day and and time, the Sea of Galilee definitely served as a shortcut if you could cut across rather than walk all the way around. And so that's what they often did. They would get on a boat and the boat would ferry them across and that way they didn't have to walk all the way around and some of the terrain is very rocky and it's very mountainous and it's just tough. It's tough to walk all the way around it and so that's what they did. They got on this boat and they're heading to the other side but you can if you're up on a mountain especially, you can watch a boat uh, uh, just bark or or, uh, take off and you can sort of follow the silhouette of that boat and you can see sort of where that boat is headed. And that's what happened. These people saw the Lord Jesus Christ and they saw the disciples depart and they were watching. And they wanted to get to Jesus so desperately that the Bible says they ran around the lake and by the time the boat got to the other side, I'm, taking, I'm guessing a slow cruise, the people were there waiting. In fact, our Bible says that it was a great, great miracle and so the disciples went from a time of ministry to what they thought was going to be a time of rest, what ended up being another time of great ministry. And so because of that, they were a little indifferent. I hate to put it like this. They didn't want to minister. They were sort of ministered out. They were, uh, hey, could we use this term? They were sort of burned out. You hear hear that a lot. (laughs) That's sort of what was going on. And so Jesus says, fellas, let's, let's just come apart. And, uh, and so they thought that's what was going to, going to happen, but they ended up being, uh, ended up ministering to a great, great crowd. And I just said all of that, just laying the groundwork, because I want to give you today, this morning and tonight, I want to give you what I believe are some great, great lessons that we learn from Mark chapter 6. How about this? First of all, we learn the lesson of Flexibility. And this is as far as we're gonna go this morning. The lesson of flexibility. Now look back at your Bibles, Mark chapter six and verse number 30. And boy, I hope you'll hear me out on this. Mark six, verse number 30. The Bible says in verse 30, and the apostles gathered themselves together into Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Lord, you wouldn't believe what happened. You wouldn't believe the demons we've cast out. You wouldn't believe what happened to John the Baptist. You wouldn't believe the opposition that we ran into. You wouldn't believe the uh, demon-possessed people that we've ministered to and the miracles that we've done. And, and so they're telling the Lord about all of this busy, busy time of ministry. And verse 31, and he said unto them, come yourselves apart uh, into a desert place and rest a while for there were many coming and going and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. Verse 33, and I know we read this already, but I want you to see this again. I've got this highlighted in my Bible here. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him and ran a foot thither out of all cities, and outwent them and came together unto them. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Now, I want to stop today, and I want to say this. This was not the original plan, at least not in the mind of the disciples. I do believe, by the way, it was the original plan of the Savior. But it was not the original plan in the minds of the disciples. You know what the disciples were geared up for? They were geared up for vacation. We've been ministering. We've been preaching. We've been teaching. We've been casting out devils. We've been doing all these things. We've been so involved in ministry. The Bible says they literally weren't even taking the time to eat. And so Jesus says, let's get away for a little bit. And so now... Man, they are, they are ready for some R&R, some relaxation. They are ready just to take a cruise on the Sea of Galilee. And man, we're just going to let our hair down and we're going to have a good time. And we're going to eat and we're going to drink. And we're going to be merry. And, and so this was not the original plan. This was not how uh, things were supposed to go. Uh, but you know what? I read that this week and the Spirit of God spoke to my heart. And I thought, man, what an amazing life lesson. Hey, church. May I say this this morning? Be willing to allow God to change your plans if he so decides without you becoming upset and bitter about it. Did you know that God's ways don't always make sense to his children? This didn't make sense to the disciples. (laughs) They were ready to go get under a shade tree. That's what they wanted to do. We'll get into that a little bit later tonight, but that's why when they got to the other side and here's this massive crowd, they said, Lord, send them away. We're so over this, we're so done with this. We just wanna relax, we just wanna vacate. We wanna get away from all these things and I'm sure that in the minds of the disciples, this didn't make sense to them, but God's ways don't always make sense to his children. Can I put some references on your screen this morning? How about Isaiah 55 and verse number 8? The Bible says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, I all that to say this, that there are people all over America today who are indifferent and bitter against God. They're not in church where they're supposed to be. They're not reading their Bibles. They're not spending time in prayer. Somewhere along the line. They, they they got out of God's will and it's all because all of a sudden when they had everything planned out and they knew exactly where they were going and, and they had their whole life in front of them and this is my dream and this is what I'm going to do. The Lord Jesus Christ threw a wrench in the gears and he changed things and because he changed things they didn't have that flexibility in their spiritual life and because of that they got all messed up and they got mad and they got angry and they got indifferent and they fell out with God. Now, I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, please, and I want you to turn over to the book of Job, Job chapter 31, Job chapter 31, boy, was reading this this week and, and I just, I thought it would do good for you to see it with your eyes this morning, Job chapter 31, verse number 35, boy, God's changed Job's plans. Job's the richest man in the East. He's got camels. He's got oxen. He's got donkeys. He's got sheep, and he's got a lot of them. He is, he would be, he would be in our day and time, he would be the Donald Trump or the Bill Gates or, you know, he was filthy rich, Job was. And I'm sure Job had all these dreams and things that he had already planned out. He's got 10 children. They're evidently all healthy, all doing well. Job's got a beautiful home. His children all have beautiful homes. He's got everything uh, everything that that, that you could ask for in life. And just when everything seems to be going just great, all of a sudden, you know what happens? God changes plans. And Job becomes a little bitter, a little self-righteous begins to tell him how, how, how great he is and I've done this and I've done that and I've tried to serve God and I've tried to be faithful and, and Job gets a little he gets a little bitter and, and, uh, and Job begins to act as if God has made a mistake and if God owes him an explanation, look at it, Job chapter 31 and verse number 35, Job said this, all oh, that one would hear me, Behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me. God, why did you do this? Why did you change things up? Everything was fine. Everything was going great. And he said, you've changed everything up. And he said on top of that, you never have explained to me why you did it. And Can I just say, Calvary, God doesn't have to explain. You say, preacher, I went through this major trial and and I don't understand it. God never has showed me why. And, you, and did you know this? God may never show you why until one of these days you get in heaven. Look what he says here. All that one would hear me. Behold my desires that the Almighty would answer me and that my adversary had written a book. Surely I would take it upon my shoulder and bind it as a crown to me. I would declare unto him the number of my steps. As a prince would I go near unto him. In other words, Job is getting a little indifferent, different here. And he says, Lord, he said, I don't understand this. I, ten children, all gone. My houses are all gone. My riches are all gone. My prosperity is, is gone. He said, I don't understand. And he said, Lord, would you explain this? You need to explain yourself. Now I want you to thumb over a few pages, if you will, please, to Job chapter 38. And you know what happens? God answers. In Job chapter number 38, in verse number one, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Look at verse 4. God says to Job, where wast thou? Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or, uh, by the way, by the way, that uh, who has stretched the line upon it, you builders know what that's all about. You've stretched a chalk line, a measuring rule. That's exactly what he's talking about. Look, look, look what he says here. Verse five, who has laid the measure thereof, if thou knowest, who has stretched the line upon it, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut up the sea with doors when it brake forth as it had issued out of the womb? In other words, God Almighty came back to Job and said, Job, who do you think you are? Where were you when I created the earth? Where were you when I sculpted out the valleys? Where were you when I spoke the worlds into existence when I told the sun to to to, to shine and I want you to stay there? Where were you when I spoke the, the planets into existence and I put the moon in its in its orbit and where were you when all these things happened and ultimately what God was saying was this joke, I don't have to explain anything to you if I don't want to. I can change anything I want to change anytime I want to change it and I don't have to explain to you at all. God is saying, I'm sovereign. God is saying, I'm a God of providence. Now, again, church, follow me. And yet there are multitudes of people out there today who are spiritually indifferent because somewhere along the line, God changed their plan and they didn't feel like it was fair and they didn't feel like it was right. I mean, you know, it's okay if other people get cancer, but it's not right for me. And it's okay for other people's kids to die, but it's not right for me. And it's okay for other people to have car accidents, but it's not right for me. And and God, it's okay for other people's homes to catch on fire but not me And, and somewhere along the line God changed the plan God changed their life and because of that they got upset with the Lord if you go out here in our bookstore after the service you'll see two big gigantic plaques on the wall and this is what they say my father's way may twist and turn my heart may throb and ache but in my soul I'm glad I know he maketh no mistake my cherished plans may go astray, my hopes may fade away, but, I, but still I'll trust my Lord to lead, for he doth know the way. Though night be dark, and it may seem that day will never break, I'll pin my faith, my all in him, he maketh no mistake. There's so much I cannot see, my eye light far too dim, but come what may, I'll simply trust and leave it all to him. For by and by the mist will lift, and plain it all he'll make. Through all the way, though dark to me, he maketh no mistake. Now, Calvary, I just want to remind us today. His ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. And sometimes God does things, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, it doesn't make a lick of sense. And sometimes God does things, and it's almost as if, and, I, and by the way, I guess we've all been there. And we look up to God as if, God, you're making the worst mess. What is your problem? This is not the way it's supposed to go. This is not how things are supposed to work out. And yet the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Can I just encourage us today that when God changes your plans and when God changes your home and when God changes your family, Can I just encourage us to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Just trust in the Lord. I read the story about a fellow that was outside working. He had his chainsaw going. He was cutting some limbs or something. Just doing some Saturday chores. And those chainsaws, you have to watch them, don't they? They'll kick back. And he was out there sawing and minding his own business, and the chainsaw kicked back and it just nicked him real good, pretty good. And that chainsaw cuts usually a little messy. And he wrapped a rag around it and went inside. And his, I mean, he was bleeding pretty bad. And his wife looked at him and she said, "You're going to the hospital." He said, "I am not going to the hospital." She said, "You are going to the hospital." And, uh, you know, I don't know what she done. If she put her hand on her hip, you know, I, I don't know. But, you know, you guys know when she does that, it's all over, you know. And she said, you're going. You're going to the hospital. And so he wrapped a rag around it. They got in the car. They went to the ER, and they looked at his hand. And it was bad, and he should have went. It required stitches. But the story goes that the whole way there he protested. He protested. I've got things to do. I've got wood to cut. I've got places to go. I've got things to do. And you know what? She just didn't pay him any attention. She just drove him right onto the ER. And they looked at his hand. But here's the story, though. But while he was there, they also found something else. They found that this man had a very life-threatening issue that was going on right then and there. And had he not went to the ER when he did, he would have never went to the ER ever again cuz it would have took his life what he thought was what he thought was aggravating and what he thought was you know upsetting about his wife and what he thought was a bad thing it ended up god was working behind the scenes and god was taking care of that man have you ever done this have you ever gotten so upset i know none of you have i know i can feel it none of you have but you couldn't find your keys. And you were like, I can't believe it. I always put them in the same place. I don't understand where they are. And I've got to be somewhere. And man, you just, you know, you searched and searched and hunted and you're pulling out the cushions of your sofa and you're feeling down in the chair and you're you are looking underneath the furniture. And uh, I mean, you can't find your keys anywhere and you get so mad and you get so in the flesh. You understand that in God's providence, it could be that God helped you to lose your keys because God may have been preventing you from disaster. That's very true. And so sometimes God changes our plan. Oh, let's get real, church. I'm talking about that traffic jam you get in. And, and, and the way construction's going right now with well, stateful. you never know. I mean, you just never know when you're gonna get in traffic. And you're thinking, man, I wanted to be here. I want to be doing this. I was supposed to be going, going here, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're 30 minutes late because traffic is bumper to bumper and maybe it's not even moving. And you're thinking, I don't understand this. And Lord, this is all right. And I was supposed to be there doing this. And God says, Hey child, would you just trust me? Would you just trust me and understand that I've got all of that in control? Did you know that it could be that there is a God that loves you beyond measure that may be keeping you from accident or maybe keeping you from, from catastrophe? And we didn't know that. We don't see that. Of course, we can't see down the line, but he sees it all. And so when those things come into our life and God changes the plan, hey, don't get upset with God. Many of you have heard this. You've heard this story the house used to tell the story about, and he was heading to a meeting to preach in a distant state. He was going to the airport, and he said this. He said, I even prayed about the route to take that day to the airport. And he said, I felt like this was the route that God led me to take. And so he said, I was on my way to the airport, heading out to another church, trying to be a blessing, trying to preach God's word, trying to encourage some church folk. And he said, lo and behold, I got in a traffic jam, the traffic jam of all traffic jams, and kept looking at my watch and looking at my watch and sort of huffing and puffing and thinking, man, what in the world? I mean, Lord, I even prayed about the route right to take and here you got me hooked up in this, this traffic jam and, and you know what? Missed his flight. Totally missed his flight. But that plane crashed. And every single person on that airplane was tragically killed. But God... It just so happened that day God put him in a traffic jam. Please understand something, Calvary. From time to time, God may change your plans. And God may change my plans. And here's the thing, he doesn't have to explain. I read some stories this week I thought would be interesting to you. In the city of Pottsville, Pennsylvania, the broken end of a high voltage wire was laying on the pavement along which the engineer was walking Unaware of the fact that he was about to be fried, a worker saw the danger and yelled to warn him, but his voice was drowned by the noise around. So picking up a stone, he threw it as hard as he could and hit the engineer on the chest. Angry, the engineer looked up, but just as he did, he saw the wire just as he was about to step upon it. Tearfully, he thanked the worker for saving his life. The stone hurt, but the high-voltage wire would have hurt much worse. It was a loving act of concern that motivated the worker to throw the stone at the engineer. And when the Lord brings trials into our lives, we often get angry at God for throwing rocks at us. What we ought to do is have the attitude of the engineer and rejoice and be thankful for a God who loves his children too much to let them hurt themselves by going astray. You ever got hit by a rock by God? A lot of you have. And boy, when God, you know, God's the greatest pitcher that's ever lived. And when God throws a rock, it hits the mark, man. And it hurts like the dickens. Now, you got to go to Bible college to understand those, those high-class words, but it hurts like the dickens. And sometimes when, sometimes when God does that, we fire back and we say, really? Man, I'm going to church. And I'm trying to read my Bible and I've been trying to pray and I've even been trying to tithe and I haven't thought about getting involved in a ministry and, 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 and you have the audacity to hit me with a rock? Really? Well, let me tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm, I'm done with church. I'm done with walking with God. No more tithing for me. And what we don't understand is this. God hit us because a loving God was trying to keep us from making the worst mistake of our life. We're done. Imagine the following scenario. Three little boys walk into a large electrical compound in Okinawa, when the workman momentarily walks to his truck to get some tools, one of those boys touches a live wire and is instantly electrocuted to death. The parents are beside themselves with grief. They'd never sought God in their lives, but one thing they did know about God was that little ones, like their dead son, before the age of accountability, go to heaven. For the first time in their lives, this dad and mom sought the Lord which culminated a month later in their salvation. That little boy was my older brother, and I was one of those three boys. Because of my brother's death, my parents came to faith in Christ and later became missionaries after retiring from the Air Force. God used my parents to reach hundreds of military members in churches they served in in Okinawa, Puerto Rico, Panama, and mainland Japan. The end result of one tragic, sad, horrible, physical death led to hundreds coming to eternal life. Hey, Calvary, we're going to bring it to a close right there. This is all I'm saying. We don't always understand what God is doing. And sometimes when God does things, it seems so unfair. God, I've tried to be so faithful. Yeah, you hit me with this rock. God, I don't understand. I I, I don't understand. And here's the temptation. The temptation is to become bitter. And when you get bitter, guess what happens? Your heart gets hard. Now, we're going to delve into that a little bit more tonight. And so I hope that you'll be here this evening. Let's bow our heads this morning, if you would, please.